0: It takes a lot of ingredients to fix or build a car, like cooking, but without the frozen dinner easy way out. eBay Motors has 122 million parts. It's always the right fitment, so you can follow any recipe to a T. Whether it's a vintage Italian coupe that's classic like grandma's meatballs or a German luxury car that's as complicated as Oma's Rouladen, to cook up something great in the garage, use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride.
1: Arsenal 3, Everton 2. A desperately frustrating afternoon. Uh, well, certainly in my eyes anyway. I was talking to Rob before we came on air. And uh, he's not as as downbeat as, uh, as I would suggest many Evertonians are today's performance. We'll get into the mind tie of that in one second. Um, but it's um, another defeat away at one of the conventional top six sides, albeit they're not that this season, which for me probably makes it a little bit more frustrating than it normally is uh, losing at Arsenal, we do have a horrendous record at Arsenal, we haven't won there since the mid-90s um, but yet yeah, this isn't a traditional Arsenal side by any stretch of the imagination uh, and uh, Everton didn't come away with the result that we all hoped wanted and I think some of us probably expected given the run of form we went into this game on but um, as always I think Rob, uh, just to start with an overview of the game um, Look on on our last uh, episode of me and you oh and thanks so much for the suggestions you've given to us by the way on the patreon page please keep those coming and um, we'll, we'll we'll be going through them on our next show which we're going to make regular and free um in the next fortnight or so um, did, did
0: we did we get suggestions for the name or something?
1: We did. We got we got several <laughs> several suggestions, which which I'll send to you, uh, and we'll go through them, Rob. Oh man, some of them right, some of them are good. some of them are really really good fun and uh, really creative as well. So uh, we'll get to them in due course. But yeah, I mean, a, a frustrating day for me um, simply because I think this was nowhere near an Arsenal side that had anything really to threaten us um with, with with genuine threat. Okay, yeah, they've got Pierre Emma who's in his years at Arsenal, I think has been wasted because I think he's a tremendous goal scorer. I think he's a tremendous striker. He oozes talent and class and, and I don't think he's gonna leave Arsenal having won a trophy there. Um which is I think it's sad for a player of his calibre to, to do that and he's in his thirties now. Um but nonetheless he he's been phenomenal for them. His goal scoring record's phenomenal. He Scores goals all the time. He scored against us today. He scored the winner against us today. Uh, other than that, I mean, I don't think Arsenal were, were great shakes. I thought on the whole, a, a game between two sides that I think were, I don't know. I mean, not not the the highest of quality. I thought the game lacked distinct quality. Yes, he was good. When he uh, was given the opportunity to do so, he was given the opportunity to do so by some lackluster defending from, Gibral Sidibe in particular. Um, but just give us your overriding thoughts, Rob, before we get into the final detail.
0: Well, I, I, I think it would probably be um, inaccurate
1: to say that I'm not frustrated. Yeah. I, I am frustrated because... Perhaps not um, in the conventional sense that we normally would be with a defeat of that manner. Yeah,
0: look, because I get the I get the frustration which I share um, that that is natural to feel when you, for the most part, and, and I do still maintain this that I, I think for the for you know on balance uh, for the ninety minutes I, I thought we were the better team and I think that um, I think that overall it was a game of moments and it was a game of lapses, if you will, and. Those lapses, those moments, uh, all went in our you know, they, they generally went in Arsenal's favor, and that's down to a, a variety of kind of weird circumstances. But but at the end of the day, um, you had you had some just kind of I think I might call them just brain fart moments from, uh, our, our defensive, our, our defensive group, especially, uh, God, especially Sidibe, who just had a nightmarish game defensively. Um, you know, on, on a few of those, uh, I think that the second goal, I, I would probably argue was just a fantastic, perfectly placed cross. And there. sometimes there's nothing you can do about those sorts of things, mm. but you know, you get into the, if I'm think, yeah, I think I'm thinking of the, Second goal, or am I thinking of the first goal? I can't remember. The first goal, I think, was was the I'm sorry, the perfect cross. The second one was where we seemed to get caught caught napping there. Um, you know, on that on uh, where just the ball just cut straight through midfield. I think that was the one where David Luiz just had that perfect pass right through the heart of our our midfield, which was just it was it was. Almost like the, the the hologram version of <laughs> we joke about we joke about uh, our backup keeper being the handsome hologram, you know. And I feel like that that was a moment in the midfield where the ball just went straight through um, everything uh, to, to lead to a breakaway goal. And and they took their chances. And conversely, we were in an opera We were we had those moments in the game where we we scored kind of some weird goals and we scored that first goal in the first minute and it, and it was a, a relatively acrobatic kind of weird strange goal from Calvert Lewin and yet the kinds of goals that he's been scoring that have really built up his big big healthy tally over these last several months those are the ones that he missed today uh, the, the the ones right in front of net and and it just was kind of a weird day um, you combine that with I thought a couple of factors I, I think one the fact that we had had a long layoff um, I think probably broke a little bit of that momentum a bit that, that we've been building up over the last uh, several weeks, um, and I think you saw that today. I thought the other weird kind of X-factor moment for for Arsenal, or or maybe a sliding doors moment in that game, was uh, Kolasinac going out going out and Saka coming in for them. I think he changed things um, mm-hmm. on, on that side of the pitch and, and and proved a real problem for us. So I, it was a combination of things. I didn't like the defensive lapses, but but ultimately I saw a lot there in regards to our reaction our chance creation getting shots on goal um i i was convinced Uh, As annoyed as I was in that first minute uh, of the second half, uh, us conceding that that third goal for Arsenal, I was convinced that we were going to equalize and and maybe even go on to win. I just felt like we were dangerous on the counter. I think that there were opportunities between Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin that that just didn't quite come off. And so it was a combination of a a lot of factors. But I still, at the end of the day, on the balance of what we saw, I, I felt like there was a lot there in regards to the way in which we reacted to the adversity, the way we continue to play, the way we continue to put pressure on them, that I think you can take from that when you're looking at the bigger picture of this and and the bigger picture of of our upturn in form lately. And I think that there's there's still positives that you can take from that. Um, I I think the frustration, of course, is that you played really well. Uh, Arsenal have not been great. Uh, but they have guys that uh, that can have their moments that are dangerous finishers, and, and they and they did that today, and and th- that's just how it goes sometimes. And um, it was unfortunate, but uh, not getting the point, like we talked about, I think makes the the home game to United just that much bigger.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you look at the weekend in terms of how much damage it's done to uh, European aspirations. I mean. A lot of people are getting over an overreaction from this, um, saying that it's basically over now because we've lost this game to us. It, that, that I don't think that's a trail of thought that anybody needs to go down. It's late February, everyone. Yes. <laughs> I I mean, every, everyone gets freaked out about
0: league, league position in, in you know, whether it's at Christmas or in February and I, I'll grant you league position means something, Dave, but I think we ought to be looking more more at the points uh, differential at this point. I mean, we're at the end of the day, uh, it didn't go well this weekend, but I would argue that we're five points behind United with them coming to Goodison next. And, and we, I'd also argue that if you want to be mad about this week, this performance and say, this is why we're not getting into Europe. Um, I would counter with the, with the not getting into Europe because we dropped two points at home to Newcastle that we shouldn't have dropped. We're not getting into Europe because we lost at home to Norwich. There are all kinds of reasons and, and moments and games that you can look at from this season that are to me far more damning uh to to why we're not we may or may not get into Europe uh than to, than today. That's just just my take on that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Well, and and you know, 18 games under a, a different manager than the one we have now as well, you know, the, that that where we are now is a credit to the work that's been done since uh, Marco Silva left the football club. But I'm just looking at the statistics from this game and this is where the frustration lies for me, Rob, because we had 17 shots, five on target. That ratio isn't great, obviously, you haven't had 17 shots. but um, I mean, I, I suppose that, that where they keep using frustration comes in the fact that I think we had a real opportunity even when Arsenal go 3-2 up quite early in the second half, which... You know the in there is incredibly poor, uh, and and this is this is the sights that we've seen all season, and that's very much again it stands in stark contrast to how well Ancelotti and just before him Duncan Ferguson has done to this team. I don't think that can be praised enough to be quite frank. But when you look at the chances we created in the second half, you've got Richardson goes through pretty much one on one with Leno. There's a point where the ball from an unbelievable pass from Andre Gomez certainly a couple of times but this particular one splits the Arsenal defence and I think if Richarlison maybe exerts himself a little bit more he could get there ahead of Leno who chases out of the Arsenal goal Um, there are so many individual instances where we got the ball in so many good areas and failed to produce I I spoke about a particular game when we were last uh, talking Rob uh, the West Ham away one where I felt as if if we had a tiny bit more of a midfield presence, we might well, or we should have, and in my opinion we would have, gone on and won that game that we drew one all. I felt in this one, had we had somebody of a little bit more quality in a little bit of a better place than Gylfi Sigurdsson is right now, uh, there were real opportunities to exploit an Arsenal defence that looked to me like it was wide open many times. And you mm-hmm. only needed to see the the areas where Charleston ended up pulling out wide a little bit more in the second half where he find himself on the left or the right-hand side, predominantly the left, troubling their full-backs, getting in behind and looking to find a pull-back or a, a cross to the back post. Behind them, I felt we struggled to really get yeah, Gilfie Sigurdsson and before him Alex Iwobi any closer to the front two uh, and, and I think that's going to be an ongoing issue for Ancelotti to, to look at particularly away from home supplementing those two players because they're brilliant of holding it up the brilliance of involving other players I didn't see too many busting a gut behind them to get into the box um, there's, there's two players I want to focus on at, at either end of the spectrum in terms of their favour with Evertonians right now. We're going to start with Gelfie Sigurdsson, Rob. And to me, Gary Neville, uh, if you watch the English coverage, ripped him apart. For I mean, there was a five-minute, six-minute spell in the second half where he'd give the ball away, he'd give away a stupid foul, he looked like he was running on empty. And I hate going in really hard on our players, particularly when they're down. But... I mean, he's our record signing, Rob. He's only thirty years of age. Yes, his days might be numbered as an Everton player, and I'm sure he's one we'll be trying to offload this summer, um, not least for the performance that he gave today. But you've got to expect more. He's got to do more, and ultimately, that that's where you could probably understand Carlo Ancelotti going crazy on the sideline. Um, you know, there's other players like that in that squad who. Will be surplus to requirements, and I'm trying my best not to be knee-jerk because some of them have uh, done a job recently. Some of them have risen to the fore and and been able to, um, you know, get a decent recommendation from all of us when they finish playing. But that yeah. to me was an embarrassment from Gilfy Sigursen today. It's been coming; it's already happened in many people's opinions. But that to me was, for many as well, I think, a, a final straw in terms of whether we need him in this team any longer because some of it was really, really poor.
0: Yeah. guilty Sigurdsson is... I don't think it's a knee-jerk reaction because let's let's take a look at this from the 10,000-foot view of the entirety of this season. He's been really poor. He has not performed up to his billing. And you don't even need to necessarily mention the it's not even so much about the, the record fee anymore. It's just that even if you just compare last season to this, the drop-off has been just off of a cliff. And I still, I, I, I don't know what to attribute it to. Um, I don't, I don't have any issues with, with secrets. And personally, I, he's always been a, you know, this from all indications, a pretty stand up guy. Um, you know the one thing that you could always count on with him before playing in the more forward positions is that you were going to get a shift out of him even if he wasn't particularly effective well now when when you move him back now he's just not effective and you're not getting much in terms of a shift out of him and you know some of that may be down to the fact that he's playing a position that's maybe a little foreign to him I'm not sure but I think all of us can recall at least a half dozen – it felt like a, a half dozen times in the second half where he had the ball on his foot and you were waiting for him to make the right pass, to, to make the right decision, and it just – it never came off. It was – I, I was amazed and almost shocked at how much he was just spraying balls in all weird directions, and it just looked so aimless. He looks lost out there, and and I think that, that – that, you can say that he's been an odd fit from the time he arrived, um, but you know this is he. You know he's a player that looks like someone who was bought three or four managers ago and 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 that's (laughs) kind of what what it is and 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 he his effectiveness the idea of gilfie sigurdsson the concept of gilfie sigurdsson whatever that may have been just no longer is the reality and today was just another reminder at the worst possible time of of that fact um i think what's I think if if the manager comes in for potentially any uh, pushback today, and again, I'm I'm certainly on my honeymoon with Carl Angelotti, and I'm not going to be too hard because I think he's still trying to figure out what he's got. But Guilty Sigurdsson is so t- is very still very technically gifted player, and so he's the kind of guy that in training is just going to probably knock your socks off, and he's going to look good. And, and I think maybe Walcott's the same way. You wonder why there are certain types of yeah. players who, for whatever reason and you just can't get out of the 11. I thought it was interesting today, you know, for all the the the, the talk about you know Fabian Delf, I you know, he's not a very likable player or whatever. I <laughs> he wasn't great today or anything, but at the moment at which, you know, Gomish comes in, I think for Schneiderlin, Delf, Delf eventually comes out. I was just thinking to myself. I would have rather seen Sigurdsson come out uh, for you know for Keane instead. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't understand, given what he was not delivering and what you know all of the just general lack of contribution. I, I didn't understand what was keeping him on the pitch and what the idea was. Now going back to kind of the original, I thought that you had there, Dave, about you know if we could have had even just some you know average midfield display today. What does it look like? Well, I think that. I think if Andre Gomes starts this game, we probably win. Um, if, if I may oversimplify things, but just on the just based on what I saw today, he he was he was a level above. And it's I don't know if it's a, a testament to him or an indictment of everyone else that the guy comes back after months yeah. off with a horrific career-threatening threat, injury and easily slots in and looks, you know, absolutely. Class compared to everything else around him. Um, at the end of the day, uh, and you and I talked about this. When Gomes is ready to start, which I now anticipate based on the the comments after the game from Ancelotti, is going to be next week. Um, I, I don't think that this is something you need to over to, to think about too too hard, right? It's got to be. It, it should be Gomes and, and Schneiderlin, right? I think that's the most that seems to be the most logical pairing there uh, to get us through to the end of the season. Um, Pick whatever four you've got. I imagine it's probably Bernard on the left. Um, If Walcott's fit again, it's him on the right. And Sigurdsson doesn't factor in at that point, you would think, but he has a way of sticking and it's just, it's a disappointment. He's going to be really hard to move. It probably takes the form of some sort of, lone move that's kind of uh, you know that, that that's still going to cost us plenty but it, it does feel like as long as he is around and available for selection it's going to potentially be an issue in terms of of, of games like this and and there's just not been enough quality shown in, in and I know he's had a bit of an uptick lately but there's just not been enough quality shown on the whole of the season to justify Sigurdsson being part of things moving forward next season
1: um, we, I have punter for some questions which we'll get to in a second I just want to pick you up on that point about um, the, 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 G- the Gomez role in this side now and it was absolutely fantastic to see him come on he ran the show he gave Arsenal's midfielders all sorts of problems he, his first thought was to find a pass that was forward and towards Arsenal's goal and was going to yeah. give us the best opportunity of scoring um, and I think the point you raise is really interesting, Robin. I think it's probably the pivotal one to take from this podcast. Is you know how much of an indictment is this on the rest of the team that he can come in and pull out a performance like that, given the issues that he's had physically for this season, and he shows up shows up like a new penny and puts them all to shame. And how much is it his genuine quality? I think that scale for me is probably tipping more towards. The indictment of the other players. I mean, we know how good Andre Gomez is on his day. We know how good he can be. He probably uh, is good. Well, he certainly is good enough to play for a team that's in a better condition than our one is right now. We're very fortunate to have him. All of the usual things that have almost become cliche with him since he arrived at Goodison last season. But the other, the other, the rest of them, I don't understand how you can be around somebody like Gomez or watch him or um, you know see his, his previous. Performances before in a blue shirt and not at least try not to replicate it of course not because they're different styles and types of players that we play in the midfield area but is it, why is it so difficult for the rest of them to have that intuition that look we need to get a goal in this game the best chance we've got that is by making passes towards the direction of the Arsenal goal it's such a basic thought and I think it's such a basic pro- uh, prospect and protest uh, yeah. for these guys. But yet when I see balls fired into the strikers, you know, the the brilliance of holding up. Calvert Lewin and and Richarlison have got to be two of the best aerial threats in this league. And I'm not just talking about threats on goal, but in terms of winning the ball when they're up against big Bailey defenders yeah. who are physical with them, they'll try and batter them and bully them. Richarlison and Calvert Lewin are just complete nuisances to these people. And they'll fight for everything. I don't understand why our, our first thought and our first ball is when, say Fabian or Morgan Schneidlin get it, and it's not, let's turn it round the corner, let's get Arsenal on the back foot running towards their own goal. That only happened consistently when Gomez come on. Now you can't tell me that, and it's and it's an it's an, it's, a, it's almost becoming an age old argument with the rest of them in that midfield. But I can't understand why when Fabian Delf gets the ball fed into him by Mason Holgate or Yerimina, that he's not on the half turn, looking for somebody to spring the out, offside trap against Arsenal, who generally play with a higher line, and and the, our best opportunities in that second half to score an equaliser were balls in behind that that really difficult space where. Manchester City have become masters of it between the central defender and the full-back mm-hmm. uh, it, it was how Richarlison nearly scored towards the end it was how he got in a couple of times when he was it, the, the cross that Calvert-Lewin should put in I think Sidibe crossed it or Bernard and he's at the back post and it just goes wide of the goal all of those things I think come so naturally to a player like Gomez who's somebody that gifted and technically gifted he's able to pull off those those passes just with effortless effortlessly but Everybody else is on such a plateau that you think, well, what are you serving? What's your purpose in this side when we have the ball? Look, they have jobs when we're not in possession that they do relatively well. They can win it back. They can throw a tackle in. They can take yellow cards when need be. But when we have the ball, and for which we have 49% possession today, uh, which is probably a lot higher than what we've usually had at Arsenal, conventionally had at Arsenal, why don't? Why can't they use it so effectively, Rob? Like somebody like him who's been crocked for the best part of four months and comes <laughs> back in immediately has that impact, and he's probably still what, sixty, seventy percent fit right now. I'd All like right. to know that answer, and I'd like to know why, even with somebody of Ancelotti's experience, that that s- doesn't seem to be the natural thought process of any of them. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm certainly not. I'll just.
0: Go ahead and say I'm certainly not smart enough to answer a question about
1: yeah. Like that in terms of why, <laughs> well, I don't think like, there is an answer, Rob. I, I, I generally I don't think there's an answer to that other than no, the fact that they're simply it's not good enough. Though. Yeah, they're not good enough. Well, it, look, it's
0: again. I I've always viewed. I try to look at this game this sport and really every season as an opportunity to learn whether it's whether it's when things are going well or when they're not going so well Uh, I think that the best I think that the elite clubs are those that are able to take games trends uh, spells where a player like Gomez for instance is out uh, giving them an opportunity to see exactly what they do have and more importantly or just as importantly what they don't have in certain positions um, I think this has been incredibly informative um, what what we've seen or not seen from this group while Gomez has been out mm. um, I, I would also say though too like it sounds kind of crazy to say this, but this is also just—I know it was 30 minutes, but this is as effective as I've seen Andre Gomes look in, a, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and I don't mean that he's obviously—he's had some some very good games for us, but um, I think that. He seems like the exact type of player that will be unleashed in a system like like this. And when I say a system, maybe it's less about the system and more about this, just the general manager's um, preference for, um, you know, not thinking on the ball, getting a ball forward, you know, using your instincts, using your mind, you know. Andre Gomes has all of those things. And we talked about this on our big podcast over the weekend, which was, you know, this season can really turn based on what the impact of Andre Gomes is. And coming into and we talked about, you know, how Ancelotti has kind of elevated some of these players. Some of them are showing that they've got more uh, and others are showing that they don't. And Andre Gomes looks like someone who in many ways you could argue that just like and god name and five or six other players was probably a bit restricted under the way marco silva set up the way he played the maybe overly planned sort of uh setup that he had uh, giving every player 10 pages worth of notes about what they needed to do positionally each game i, I think G- gomez's natural talents natural brain for this game um should thrive in a system like this and today he was put in a relatively low you know a relatively low pressure situation of saying look you're not starting today but go out there and give us 30 minutes of just you being you and and i think you saw that today um i i I, as far as as far as what we've got i i I think that'll be really interesting because if we get into europe um some of these midfielders are still going to be around um because you need you need to make numbers and i understand that but um I think that it's pretty clear that if going into next season, that if you told me that Andre Gomes was one of our starting uh, central midfielders, that you'd you'd be pretty – you'd be great with that, right? You've paid for Mm. him. You've invested the time. You've invested in his rehab. He's he's settled then at the club, that's great, but the question of who that second person is—that's uh, that's, that's going to be the question of the summer for me. We talked extensively, Dave. It, you know, it, it's almost become an Everton tradition every summer to talk about the striker that we're not going to sign or that yeah. we want to sign, right? But I don't think that's where the money doesn't seem to need to be to go there, right? It's it's got to be another central, either either another central midfielder, or. You have faith based on everything that you've learned from, you know, the medical staff and and in consultation with the player. You you feel like Gabonman is going to be fine, uh, that this season was an aberration. His previous fitness record had been pretty stellar before he came to Everton because that's the most Everton thing ever. Uh, and you decide that, that, hey, this season was an aberration. It's a write-off, uh, just like uh, Gomez had timeout and he was able to completely heal, uh, you know, Gabon will come back and it will be fine. Having said that, I still think that no matter what, you're still going to invest in that position. And I think that that has got to be something that, that is addressed uh, along with the, the right back position, whatever form Addressing that takes um, and obviously, you know, getting another center half in. Uh, they're, they're, the, the holes are relatively obvious at this point. But as we've seen, it's been, you can look at this in one of two ways. You can look at the form that we've suddenly taken, uh, the form we've suddenly caught um, in terms of, of this ascendancy that we've seen over, since Ancelotti took over. And you can say, hey, we've done this without a really good, we've done this with like a relegation level midfield, right? Um, and and with- you can say to yourself, God, if you just put two competent midfielders out there, they don't even have to be spectacular. Um, then what can we do with that? Um, I think that right there is 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 the opportunity, and I think we have begun to see that that guys like guys like Delph, guys like Davis, to a certain degree. I mean, th- their futures are are really up in the air at this point, and 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 even Schneiderlin Schneiderlin's future is up in the air. Every day he wakes up, uh, you know, on mercy's side. I mean, I get that. But, uh, th- th- that's going to be the big question, and and I think today was a day where you saw. Um, you saw all of that laid bare. You saw what what a quality midfielder looks like and the impact he can have. But you also saw the gaps of not having him, uh, having good midfield, good midfield play, both attacking wise and defensively at times when uh, you're playing a team who may not be on their top form, but still have guys that can finish plays, guys that can, you know, on their day score goals. And that's that's what we were missing. That was a lo- that was a big part of what we were missing today. I'd also argue, by the way, we were probably missing goals that should have been scored as well. But what encouraged me was that we created chances. Whereas we're so used to seeing these games kind of you know teeter out, uh, yeah, we go down goal, go down two, and we just kind of give up and we don't create anything. So again positionally like you said it's frustrating that 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 uh, certain guys have not been able to step up but i also think we've learned a lot and i think that that it charts a course for us going into the this next stretch of games with healthy gomez and obviously beyond into next
1: season mm. just a couple of points you want to pick up there rob i mean you mentioned gomez they going on on 60 and just being told listen you just do you you just do what comes to your mind and naturally just try and express yourself. And he looked like he enjoyed that. I think there was a 50-50 that he had. I'm going to say it was with really granite jacker. And it looks like it you know, one of the, like pair of them weren't happy at first and he just turns the camera, I think, as he's just skinned two of their players and he just has this sort of really wry smile on his face where it looks like he's being just a little bit naughty and it's because he's he's just ripped two of their players apart and they, and they yeah. their only answer is to foul him. He he's an absolute gem and if we get the right people around him, he's gonna flourish even more which I think is a real positive to take from today. It was lovely to see that, and I think there should be time for a little bit of sentimentality about him being back in this uh, Everton team, given the uh, yes. dreadful few months he's had. I think it's, it's perfectly reasonable to state that, even though we've lost the game. Second point I want to make is, yes, I feel that this, and, and many people have pointed this out to me on Twitter tonight, and, and I don't agree with this notion that, this was typical Everton, that we've had an opportunity to capitalise on a situation yeah. that could really fall in our favour if we were to get some results. And perhaps, yes, we fall into that trap of feeling, oh, you know, this could be a big time for us, And but look, they've failed again. On the surface, absolutely, I will say, if you've not watched this football club for for years and just known about the results, this looks like one of those games. I completely get that. But the fact that your people who listen to this predominantly will be Evertonians, the fact that... Those stats I read out before, just the simple ones: shots on target, shots, possession, um, corners, free kicks, set pieces. The fact we went in there and scored two goals that you know should have been at least three goals that we scored with the, the the couple of great chances we have, coupled with the really good positions that some of our attacking players took up as well. You know, this was not a conventional or uh, Everton-like in inverted commas, defeat. Arsenal we, we, we've got a wretched record there we haven't won there in 26 years this was not one of those that you just completely write off when you look back on this game and its performance and that's what we should take half from uh, I did ask a pitch for some questions from people and they have got in touch a uh, good friend of mine Liam Hinks and, and make it this what you will but I think it's a, it's a really good sort of indication of where we're at with some of these midfield players Um Liam says he heard the five live interview with Fabian Delph. He spent more time talking about Mikel Arteta and Manchester City than Everton. These senior players need <laughs> legging, which I think you know, it's, it's an excellent point from from Liam there because I believe that was it a post match interview or was it? Yeah, like leading it was, up to the week. No, no, it, was, it was after the game, um, okay. and he's talking about you know how good Arteta's done at Arsenal, and and, and I get this. I mean. Delph is a bit of a case study in in itself, isn't it? Because although he seemed to have fallen into the trap again of taking sides that are better than us hand-me-downs, this one was seen as relatively risk-free given his price, but because there's been a great deal of importance at various times this season that have been, that has been placed on Delph's shoulders, he simply hasn't risen to the occasion. Uh, I, I don't feel like he's been good enough by any stretch of the imagination this season, and I think well, he, hasn't, are...
0: he hasn't been what was advertised has he. No, I mean I think the idea was the idea behind Delf was what we talked about so many times. This is the, quote, leader type that you bring in who's experienced winning, who has experienced the ups and downs of a career that that is going to be the, you know, going to be the guy who helps lead these young players and and is going to be reliable. And he hasn't been any of – he just hasn't been – any of those things for any sustained period of time absolutely mm.
1: um, Wayne Brown says Sadibi isn't the answer at right back none of the current midfielders should be there with Gomez next season Europe isn't really on with the midfield we have so just sort it out for next season I mean this feeds into a trailer thought that I've had and I, and I completely I agree with Wayne here uh, that this squad and look you can't be better you know beggars can't be choosers in this situation Rob but if you had the option, if I had the option. And this this is definitely not a popular thought amongst Evertonians. It's just my personal opinion. If If Europe comes this season, fine. We have to embrace it. We have to enjoy it. We have to supplement it with a squad that's adequate enough and has enough depth to cope with potentially half a season's worth of extra games. Right. But if you give me the option that Everton have a summer where they recruit exceptionally well under Carlo Ancelotti yes I don't think there's any perfect way of doing that for any football club clubs will miss out on their first targets all the time in fact I'd be very surprised if clubs identified players and got every one of them on their shopping list that were first choice that's just the way football works it's not it's not such an easy or linear process like that but If you give me the option now and said, OK, look, Carlo Ancelotti's had half a season at this club. He's done exceptionally well to get us where we are now. Not even looking over our shoulders anymore at the teams behind us, but rather looking towards Champions League and Europa League places. We could not. We simply could not have asked for any more from that man or Duncan Ferguson who preceded him. If you said to me, get a clean slate this summer... And we assemble a squad that's capable, genuinely capable of going near the Champions League or going near the Europa League next season. I'd be happy with that, rather than. And and again, it goes back to this isn't this isn't you know, there's no chronology to this. This hasn't been written that well. Okay, look, you have to qualify for Europe if you've spent X amount of money on players. It doesn't work like that. I'm I'm well versed in us being like that, believe it or not. But you know, if it happens. I think our resources are stretched enough that we would find it a struggle next season and on a personal level I could not stand playing Thursday Sunday football again at the time being with such a a delicate squad that we have coupled with the Deadwood we still have to get rid of Gosh, Dave, there's a lot there. Yeah, I think we started with unbox Sidibe, that, Rob. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, we, that's 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 you and me. That's our brand. Yeah.
0: But, um, well, on the let me start with Sidibe and then kind of go from there. Yeah. So on the
1: Sidibe thing, completely <laughs> forgot that was the first point. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, the question started there. Like
0: Sidibe has had some bomb out bad games this season um i would also gently and don't everyone yell at me at once but i would also gently remind everyone that sidibe also saved
1: our ass uh for a stretch of time uh, this season (laughs) and And um, in an attacking way as well he's been influential going forward yeah
0: look his his attacking play the the, his his flexibility as a player who can be pushed up to the right wing um you know he this idea that players are either great or they're useless—I think there's got to be a middle ground there, right? And and I look at someone like Sadive, and I, I think, yeah, if you if you rely upon him too much, um, or against certain sides, maybe he's not the answer, right? But. I would argue that we thought we were, let's say, signing, in Fabian Delph, we were signing this utility player who could play in multiple positions in midfield or maybe drop back uh, defensively, etc. And look how disappointing that's been. I don't think you can say that Sidibe's addition on the whole, has been disappointing given that he's alone, um, given that he has provided a bunch of assists for us, given that he's also had some really good games for us. He's just had some really bad... He's had some stinkers, too. He's not the answer in terms of the starting right-back position uh, for a full league season next season. I can probably concede that to you. But I would also say that for this faction out there that that has somehow elevated John Joe Kenny just because he's been gone, and somehow his absence has made hearts grow fonder in that regard, I'd tap on the brakes on that a little bit. Now, we might bring him back, but I, I don't know that that he is just suddenly the answer because he's having a half-decent season in the Bundesliga at this point either. I think, that, I think that the solution is most likely an external solution at this point. But I would also say that given the points that you were just making about you know what what it is uh, you know what the cost factors are and all of these things you know with with Sidibe, you have some cost certainty in regards to what it would cost to acquire his services yeah uh, the question would be a does he want to stay um he seems like he's settled in pretty well if you saw that Marcel Brands thing that was uh doing the rounds this week uh he spoke very highly of him and his time at Everton so far um You know, I don't think. I think if we're in Europe next season, I think there's a lot of value to having a guy that can play multiple positions and be on his day pretty effective. I I think there's some a good argument for keeping him around. Um, Having said that, it's recruiting in that those positions, left back, right back, they're not they're not easy. (laughs) And you know, we we've we've all let's let's be honest. If you're listening to this podcast right now. I guarantee you, there, there are a decent number of you that all rode the wave of the simple, straightforward answer that Kieran Tierney was going to solve all of our problems at left back. Okay, and that guy, that guy has had a hard time settling in once he's moved to the Premier League as well. I think that that it is not an easy position. Those fullback positions are not always easy to 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 uh, to to. to prescribe a, a remedy for if you will at times and so I, I think i think that there are some options on the table because of cost things because of i think whether we get to europe or not will play into that but i think that there's a lot there uh, to your point um you know about w- going to europe will, will impact some of those things if, if you're making a broader point though dave on your second larger point about europe i mean i still think that I, I still would prefer us to get into Europe. I think there's a host of reasons why it would mm-hmm. be good. Having said that, I I think my caveat to that would be I am interested in the Europa League position if we get in uh, into one of the automatic uh, positions where we don't have to play the extra games in the summer, like you know early on. Uh, you know, in July or whatever. I, I'm, yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm far less interested in that for whatever reason. But um, you know, the club seems pretty gung ho about trying to get into Europe uh, any way that they can. Um, I'm just going to assume that under a competent management, uh, we can we can uh, you know maybe cope with that a little bit better. Uh, but I don't know, and 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 I think right now, instead of worrying about Europe, I just want to worry about the games ahead of us. Mm-hmm. I think that there's still so much to play play for and I think there are so many important games left. Um, I'm just excited to see us, you know, that's how I know I how I felt about this game today was that we lost and it was frustrating, but I can't wait for us to get back out there again with Andre Gomez starting and with Calvert Lewin and Richarlison leading the line at Goodison. I think, I think that's, that's, this is really shaping up to be the, you know, if I can overly hype it, it's, it's really shaping up to be the defining game of the season for us.
1: Yeah, I would would go that far as well. I think, um, you know, very much people have put a lot of emphasis on this. Obviously, with the hyperbole of, uh, you know, suffering a a defeat, a narrow defeat in one way, we probably should have got something out of a game. I think it's very, very very easy to say that, well, oh, that's it, now it's over. We do have Manchester United next week, um, which, you know, they won 3 0 today. They're on a little bit of a crest of a wave now. I think they've won three on the spin, including that big win away at Chelsea as well. So perhaps not the fixture we thought it might be because I, I was not going as far as saying this is a home banker but I'm expect, I'm, I'm still expecting us to win that game regardless um, the, we had a couple of more points in Armchair Toffee said to us encouraging but some dead weight in the team at the moment I think that is a little yeah. bit of an understatement right now um, but I just want to finish Rob really with you know what we've learned from how good the potential is because and, and this is this is a, again a massive issue I think we'll have to deal with in the summer the disparity between our best players and our worst sorry the, the chasm between our best players and our worst I don't think it's ever been as vast as it is right now because and, and this is where the club are perhaps in between a rock and a hard place with this Europa League idea because clearly they've said financially it's hugely beneficial to us at this moment in time given our tight infrastructure with FFP connotations at this moment in time, um, which was mentioned at the AGM. That we effectively, yes, we have, you know, we're cash rich, we have money in abundance, we have wealth to compete inside that top six, top four quite comfortably, I would suggest. But the parameters and the rules that have been set out. Mean that we're not we're not able to implement that right now because of our commercial activity. That's obviously a conversation for more business savvy uh, people, and it's a conversation for <clears> us for another day as well. Of course it is, but whilst I, it, it does force the hand of how we approach this thing, and you know, that's what concerns me with the squad because the influence of Europe. Yes, while it might be well beneficial for the club's coffers. You know what you're going to do in in turn with that is okay. Well, we get in the Europa League, or oh, right, that frees up X amount of millions of pounds for us to go and get. I don't know, maybe half a dozen players this summer who will be able to rotate and play in Premier League and Europa League fixtures. That idea is fine, but the the, the principle of it, the, the sort of the detail that has to go into that is crucial because, lo and behold, if that doesn't work and you're still spending a lot of money on these people, we still have the same problem of shifting deadwoods. You know, going back to Liam's point about senior players that we have to get off the books, that mm-hmm. only increases because you have the demand of Europa League football. So I, I think the club are actually in a really difficult position with that because yeah. we don't have much wiggle room at all without Europa League. Completely appreciate that, but then when we do, if we do get in Europa League, then the wiggle room that then becomes available has to be used to supplement a run in that competition. It's not like we're going to get in it yeah. like other sides. Well, then don't you tobacco. have to make the most then of
0: what you've got? Right? Yeah, like I mean, I think that's as much as every like. Here's here's the thing, sports fans like you're not going to love every player that plays for your club no. all the time. Okay. And so maybe like if you are if we're in a Europa league, you're pro- we're probably going to have to live with some players that right that today, you know, post arsenal you hate. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, I, because to your point, Dave, I think you make a really astute point. You don't solve any problems by then going out and throwing more money on top of the dead wood that everyone identifies. Right. Unless you can shift certain players out in a way that actually makes sense financially, because you know, like if leads if leads were somehow to come, you know, if they came up and, and then you and then Fabian Delf wants to go there, and it's just a it's it's a closing the circle in his yeah you know like yeah. dream sort of way yeah like great wonderful if there's a fit fine but having said that um you know if you told me that that fabian Delph, you know who who i'm sure pissed off your your best friend on social media when he clapped back that one time like (laughs) he's gonna stay here like i don't love fabian Delph. i think he's been pretty disappointing but given the option between the devil you know and the devil you don't like unless you can tell me for sure that you're going to you know specific you know in Definitely uh, improve on certain players, then I'd rather just, you know, if, if we're in your, the Europa League, I'd rather, I'd probably just as soon go with whatever replacement, whatever new players we get and some of the guys that we've got now. You know, the, the, the Deadwood thing is a word we, we throw up players that we don't like any particular day, right? But I think we know which players are a real drag on the club. And I think those are the ones that you have to do everything you can to try to move on. But it won't be easy, right? And so there's a balance that Marcel Brands and Machiri and others have to – there's a dance there, right, Dave? I mean they've got – there's this combination of do we get into Europe? Great. If we do, how much money is that worth? What is our new uh, shirt sponsor going to be worth? Um, do we get the stadium naming rights done? Can we count on some of this money? You know, and then how does that affect our bottom line? Um, there's a myriad of things to answer. I still lean on the idea though – that what Everton need is not bringing in eight new players. What they need is to bring in you know three to four impact players at key positions, um, as opposed to because I think it's a quality. And I know it sounds easy to say that, like. Oh, yeah. Quality versus quantity. Yeah. You know, duh. But I I think it it really is true in this case. Uh, We've got quantity all over the place. Like, I think we need some difference makers. Um, And and if if bringing in some of those makes it easier, Um, you know, for instance, if you told me next season that Morgan Schneiderlin was still going to be here. I don't hate that. Um, I'd rather Delph go. I'd rather, you know, I think we probably have to have the uncomfortable conversation about Tom Davis going out alone at some point. But, you know, I don't have a a huge problem with Schneider and Like, you're going to have guys like that that you have mixed feelings about to make up numbers, right? Let's get rid of this idea that we have to love enthusiastically every one of these players if we're in Europa. Now, if we don't make Europa or Champions League, then then we're talking about a, a, a just a your more core uh, 22 23 man squad, you know whatever you're talking about that's just you know got backups at every position then I think you can be a little more selective in certain areas but um, I, I think that you know but going back to the John Joe Kenny point you know while I don't particularly rate him that high I think that there's definitely a chance that he's gone out and improved while he's been gone and you got him under a contract. You've got him under cost control. I'd rather bring him in than, than just, you know, bring in some, you know, twenty-eight year old, you know, guy who's been at five clubs playing yeah. right back—that uh, that you're not really sure is better than Sedebe, right? Like, I think that those are the, the those are the things that that we have to balance. But um, it's going to be tough. You're right. I think you make a great point, Dave. It's going to be a real needle to thread. Uh, but I think that a lot of those answers can't be known until we know if we're in Europe, until we know how the city, uh, the Manchester City's appeal goes. I think that impacts. There's a domino effect there. Um, so I, I think that there's still a ways to go uh, on that front
1: yeah and um, it remains to be seen that you know these these three more games that we have against the the traditional top four are going to reveal a lot of answers in fact I think the the bulk of our season that we have remaining I think there's only three or four games at the moment and against teams that are below us in the Premier League so you know again uh, to bring this full circle to finish Rob that is exactly what you said about Carlo Ancelotti that it's still a learning process for him in terms of what he feels he needs, what he feels that the players that he's looking at. Because again, I mean, the shuffling of his pack in midfield, smacks of a man who is happy to see where this goes right now in order to make a more conclusive and wholesome judgment at the end of the season. Uh, So, you know, that that clean slate is still there for many of them. And we're seeing now, I think, players who we add our suspicions about some of them? Some of those suspicions are a lot stronger. That simply add up to the fact that they're not good enough, or well, we know most of them aren't good enough. We know that, you know, right. it depends on your definition of good enough. But I feel as if we're we're starting to get closer to the answers. That Ancelotti will have been. You know, seeking from the questions he's asked when he first come in about yeah. so many of these senior players, which it can only be a good thing. You know, if we're going to Arsenal, we're losing. I think he's more questioning the, the the how that's come about, not the fact we've lost, not the fact of a team performance, but looking at individuals and thinking, you know, what uh, is it worth persevering with this person? Can we get something out of them? I I, I think he's that good. Uh, at what he does and his track yeah. record is that good at what he does? The, you have to put full faith in him to make that decision, and and it's the same. You know, it goes back to what we were say, saying on the other show, Rob, about when he picks the teams, everybody's head falls off. No doubt <laughs> it would have done today when Leighton Baines was um, announced. Obviously, he's everyone still everybody's favourite Leighton Baines, but he hasn't played much football. There's obviously a concern there when he puts Delft back in Schneiderlin. These are all you know pretty. I'm not going even say divisive figures but figures that people, I'll go as far as say loathe at times yeah, um, yeah. but that's simply how it has to be for now and yeah. he, he, I think he'll have such a pragmatic approach about this that he'll say exactly what you've said about well yeah Schneider might be somebody who will throw in more poor performances than good ones but yet is it worth persevering with him and trying to get the better performances out of him than delving into the transfer market and, and signing somebody with money that we could perhaps spend in areas that needs it with much more desperation than yeah. than, than you know Morgan, Morgan Schneider and being on the pitch, really. So I think there's a lesser of two evils approach that Carlo Ancelotti ultimately has to arrive at. Well, Dave, I,
0: the last thing I'll finish with today is, is this, um, we... We've got a flawed squad, but we already knew that, right? And and I think that if you're going to take the the glasses half full view of this, um, given this flawed squad, given the just injury – uh, mayhem that we've seen in you know all over the pitch, but primarily in midfield. Um, for for Ancelotti to have come in and done this so far uh, is a real testament to his greatness, I mm-hmm. think. And so, to your point, you've got to trust that a little bit. Yeah. But I'd also I would also challenge those of you who watched the game today, and, and those who've obviously been watching. If you're listening to this, you're, you're a regular watcher, right? You're, you're seeing this. Uh, on the whole, I think that you are seeing a team who's positive results and growth seem like things that are less fleeting and more sustainable. Um, I think that you're, you're seeing a team who got down two to one today in a very frustrating, frustrating manner. And, that was to me the litmus test compared to what we've seen in the past, where I just knew based on what I've been seeing from Carlo Ancelotti's team and the way they've taken on his personality, I knew it to one that we weren't done. Uh, now, granted, I, I said, well, you know, I said this on Twitter, we might give up another goal too, so, you know, but I think we've got more goals in us. You know, the fight is there. And the difference now is that not only is there fight there, and some resiliency there. Um, but we've also got players who have evolved to the point where we're not relying on one guy to bail us out. And it's not Richarlison alone, and it's not Calvert Lewin alone. Um, and, and you're starting to subtly see a few more guys step up and be contributors. Um, what you've got to get to a point of is having those guys be. Regular, consistent, reliable contributors in the way that Calvert Lewin and Richarlison have become for us this season. Um, I think that you've already started to see that in guys uh, overall, like Yari Mina and Mason Holgate. I don't think you have questions about that. You know, for all the things we said about Luca Dean having kind of a down season, his you know his numbers are still pretty damn good. Which I, I probably need to give you know give him a little bit of a break. He's certainly started to play better under mm-hmm. Ancelotti than he was certainly playing under Silva for my. For my money, even though I know it's not like a, a giant world world of difference, I think it's definitely subtly different. So what you've got to hope is that that incremental improvement is continues to be there. But more than anything, I think you're seeing a mentality there uh, that that you build upon in a weird flawed squad. A season like this and you try to carry it over. That's, that's been the problem with Everton is that the inability to carry over good feelings in good form from the spring, you know, from the winter and spring periods of a season over in, you know, past the summer into a new season, that's going to be the challenge for Ancelotti to be able to do that, to build on the recruitment and all of those things, but more than anything to, to bring those standards and that expectation that they, that, that damn it, we are not out of a game when we go down a goal. Or we're down to one. Um, that that expectation, that that those lessons, and that ethos, whatever you want to call it, that's what has to carry over. And to me, that's more important than any single particular addition that we're going to make uh, in the transfer market. Um, so in, in that lens, man, I'm excited to see uh, an addition of quality like Andre Gomes added to this mix to see what we can do now. Um, we've got to stay fit uh, with some of these key guys. But, but yeah, it's a flawed team. We already knew that. I still think there's a lot to be uh, encouraged about. Um, if this doesn't feel like a different Everton to you, then I would Submit that you're not watching uh, Very closely
1: Yeah I would completely agree with that um, Thanks so much Rob for your input as always on what always turns out to be a bumper chat between us both Normally <laughs> normally we do about half an hour for post-match but we've done double of that tonight but I'm very grateful for it I'm sure our listeners are as well um, Do stay tuned We'll have big news uh, about mine and Rob's show that we'll be doing for free absolutely free yeah. um, to add to our collection of shows that we put out for free um, in the next couple of weeks uh, we'll, so we'll have an announcement about them pretty in the next few days But first of all, first and foremost, we need to find out a name for that show. So do send your suggestions as many people have on the um, subscription episode that we've done recently as well don't forget it's patreon.com forward slash the blue room extra if you want to get involved in all of that there's more than 20 hours of content every single month pretty much on a daily basis for the poultry cost of around four pounds uh but it's in rob's money so that does fluctuate every now and then <laughs> based on brexit news and uh, donald trump's latest escapades so um yeah we we vowed to try and keep that around four pounds but very much it is down to exchange rates and things like that um Coming up this week, we'll be looking ahead to the Manchester United game. I'll be talking to Mark Mosey, Hannah Farrell, and there'll be some more to Rob later on this week, as well as Les Roberts. he will be back with Mailbag, which will be out. I'm doing, I'm doing Blue
0: Monday with him tomorrow. Blue,
1: gonna yeah, I was going to mention Atlantic uh, Video Skype. Guys, yeah, so it's um, some some new uncharted territory for us. We're going to be alive. I can't say live. We're going to be recording what Blue Monday from Across the Pond with Rob and Les. It's his first effort at that, so uh, hopefully there aren't any delays like there aren't in these wonderful podcasts that we bring to you um, with top-class production quality. So, uh, yeah, make sure you tune into our YouTube channel for that. Go to YouTube, type in The Blue Room, subscribe to that. Uh, Les does some amazing videos and video work, which we all chip into, so very well worth your time. Uh, And we'll be back on the weekly at 6.30 on Radio City Talk. Um, Whilst Matt continues his break, and we have to say, just to finish the show, uh, Matt has been more than a partner, a colleague, a friend, and a business partner to me over the years uh, on the Blue Room. He does more than you could possibly imagine for this show, this wonderful thing that we've got going on that you loyally listen to uh, at every single turn. So congratulations to Matt. He was married on Friday to his lovely wife, Chelsea, and it was a beautiful wedding. I was fortunate enough to be there for a couple of hours in the evening, uh, as I had a lot to do on Friday. And uh, yeah, they're enjoying some time together. Uh, He'll be back towards the end of the week with the weekend preview for Manchester United. Another big game at Goodison. Listen, we're still in this. We've still got plenty to fight for this season and there's still plenty of questions to be answered. We'll be asking the questions. We'll hopefully be providing some answers. Make sure you keep it with the Blue Room and we'll see you next time.